You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of our Adult Sunday School series. Adult Sunday School is taught by a variety of different men in our church. Now let's prepare our hearts as our Sunday School teacher brings forth God's truths from His Word today. Well, good morning. And um, please, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. So uh, I just wanted to talk about pastor's message last week, last Sunday morning and evening, and then kind of continuing into Wednesday. Um, I just really appreciated that. It seems like we can never hear too often the reason that there must be a God. For myself, I often kind of get complacent in my mind about that fact. I don't think about the things that prove his existence for, because for so long I've just accepted it on faith. It wasn't always so, and I, I went through a period of questioning as well, and arrived at that conclusion, there has to be a God, there must be a God. And a lot of what Pastor brought, especially those, the five things that, that are proofs or things that are arguments for an existence of God, those were the things that really cemented it in my heart. So it was really refreshing to revisit those reasons and keep them fresh in my mind so that I am ready to give, that, give an answer for the hope that is within me. And I say all of that because Pastor's lesson also convicted me and challenged me in a way that he might not have foreseen. As I was reflecting on his message, the Spirit convicted me that I often, sometimes I might even say regularly, live moment to moment not thinking about God's existence. He's not a part of what I'm doing at that moment. I don't mean like I blaspheme or take his name in vain, but sometimes I just ignore the fact that he's there and he's real and I live as if I have to do everything and make everything happen myself. And I think it's easy for us to slip into that way of thinking. Um, just kind of thinking that I just have to do this and not thinking that we have a God that's willing and able to help us. I know he exists, but sometimes I fail to live as if he's real, present, and important in my life. I can get up early and do my devotions and pray, but then as the day goes on, I simply start living my life without that without taking into account the fact that he wants to be part of my life in every area, every moment, and in every way, every day. It made me sad when I started thinking about how we have this God that loves us. He loves us so much. He sent his only and beloved son to die for us. Because that's what we deserve based on our free will, and our rejection of him and his will for our lives. He loves us so much that he sent his son to die in our place and restore, restore us to a relationship with him. He loves us so much and desires a relationship with us. So he provided a way for us to be restored to a relationship with him. And then to show the power that he has over all things, including death, he raised his son up from the dead, and now that son sits at his right hand as a mediator to intercede for us, the one and only true mediator between God and man. 
That's the God that we reject. That's the God whom I reject when I forget to acknowledge that he's there and that he's Lord over my life at every moment. So throughout this week, the Spirit's been working in my heart and I've been trying to get an understanding of what it is that causes us to lose sight of that. Lose sight of our awesome God and start to, we start to live as if he's not really real. As I was praying and meditating, the Lord led me to Philippians chapter 3. And he really drew me to the verse I'll start with, and then we'll kind of go back to the beginning of the chapter and, and work through the Philippians 3 is where Paul starts to close out the, the letter that he's writing to the Philippian church. So if you, I'm going to read verse 14. We'll start there. I'm going to read down through the end of the chapter through, through um, chapter 4 and verse 1. So verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And in if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us walk, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be follow, followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence, we from whence also we shall look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working, whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Therefore, my brother, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy, my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning in humility and gratitude for all that you are. You are the great creator God who spoke the worlds and galaxies into existence. Yet you allow, you even desire us to come into your presence and to have a personal relationship with you. Lord, right now I, I thank you for the opportunity that I have to, to stand here to share that which you're teaching me in my own life. Lord, it's a heavy responsibility and not one that I take lightly. I pray you would fill me with your spirit and just move me out of the way so that everything I say here today would reflect you and your word clearly. I pray that you would allow this to be useful to your people. And Lord, help us to live worthy of the high calling. I thank you and I praise you. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. So, let's start out and say, what is the high calling? In this passage, Paul likens the Christian life to a race. To better understand where he's coming from before he gets to this point, I want to go back to the beginning of, of the chapter. And I'm going to, I'm going to read through up to, the verse, up to verse 14. So here he, he's starting to wrap up his letter. He's already written two full chapters, and he's starting to wrap this letter up. He says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit 
and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he, have, he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I might apprehend for that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to, to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So he says at the beginning of this, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. The first part of this is the key to keeping our eyes focused on the mark, that prize of the high calling, rejoicing in the Lord. When we rejoice in the Lord, regardless of our circumstances, we keep the fact that God is a good God. We keep that in the forefront of our mind. No matter our circumstances, if we are the Lord's, we know that he will cause all things to work together for good. If that's not cause for rejoicing, I don't know what is. Paul also mentions that he's not grieved about having to write the same things to them. He understands that as humans, we need to hear things over and over again. For, and that helps us become part of who we are. How much more so in this day and age? We hear things, we hear the things of the world drilled into us all the time at every turn. That's why it's so important to be in church at every opportunity, to continually have the word fed into our lives. Sure, you might have heard it all before, but it, is it perfected in your life? Have you allowed the Spirit to perfect it in your life? Then Paul goes on to warn them very strongly about trusting in the flesh. He says, beware of dogs, beware of evil, doer, of evil workers, beware of the concision, for we are the circumcision which worship God in, in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. So who are these dogs, evil workers, the concision? They were those that were teaching salvation through works of the law, those that would lead astray believers who were trying to live by faith. Again, in this current day, we have to be cautious of those who would draw us into legalism and law-keeping as a path to salvation. Paul contrasts them with those who worship God in the spirit as opposed to the flesh. And again, he uses the word rejoice. It comes from knowing our salvation doesn't depend on our ability. We rejoice that our salvation is in Christ Jesus. The reality is that our salvation is secure. And it is our salvation that leads us 
into obedience to God's commands and precepts. It's truly a question of motivation. And the question we have to ask is, why am I following God's commands? Is it out of a heart of love and gratitude to a loving God who reached down and saved me? Or am I doing it so that I can get some merit, favor, or grace as a, as a means of salvation? We have to be careful not to fall into that trap. Next, Paul expands on having no confidence in the flesh, the keeping of the law for salvation. He says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of Hebrews of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the ter- church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. He says, in effect, if anyone would have reason to trust in the flesh, I have more reason. And he goes on to list all of his fleshly qualifications, those things that he formerly trusted in to save him. He, he used to trust in his circumcision, the fact that his parents had inducted him into the family of God through this, the ceremonial circumcision. He used to trust in his place in, the tri, in his tribe and nation. He was a Hebrew Hebrews. His heritage was unmixed with any Gentile blood. He used to trust in his learning and education. He used to trust in his zeal, zealous to the point of persecuting the church that he saw as a threat to his Jewish faith. He used to trust in his ability to keep the law, calling himself blameless. He had kept the law in such a way that no one could bring an accusation against him. He was blameless in regards to the law. But then he speaks about the worthlessness of all those things that he used to trust in and the things that he used to boast about. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. All of that, in all of those in which he used to trust was as dung compared to the new life, the salvation that he received in Christ. When he chose to leave his former way of life and chose to leave behind all those things in which he had been trusting, he gained the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, leaving all of that behind and considering it as dung so that he could win Christ. So then Christ had become his sole focus, the object of his affections, motivation for living, the only thing of value of such great value that all the things which he had formerly held in such high esteem were in, compar- in comparison but dumb. And then he, he continues on, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Paul had put all of his fleshly works behind to be found in Christ. He had done a complete 180, going from trusting completely in, the, in himself and the works that he could do, to realizing that he had no righteousness of his own. Instead, his righteousness and yours, if you are saved, is completely through faith in Christ. 
the righteousness of God by faith. Through that faith, he came to know Christ. He came to know the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. He became completely identified with Christ. All of that caused him to look forward to the resurrection day when all the dead in Christ shall rise. And then he goes on to say, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. He says, although he's trusting in Christ, he realizes that he's not yet perfected. He follows or chases after that perfect, that growing maturity in Christ. He hasn't yet apprehended it. He hasn't caught up to that. But it's his focus, his sole focus, the one thing he does. Forgetting that which is behind, leaving the former ways of thinking, the old attempts at salvation on his own, all of those things that he had formerly trusted in, now he reaches on to those things which are ahead of him. That resurrection day, that day when he becomes absent from the body and present with the Lord, that day when he will finally achieve the perfection, that maturity for which he's striving. And now we come to this focal point where I started the lesson, where I started reading. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He continues pressing on toward the mark, toward the resurrection day, toward the prize, toward that eternal reward that awaits us believers of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Our Christian calling is a high calling. It's a calling from heaven. It's calling toward heaven. And it's with heaven as our prize. It's such a crucial part of keeping our focus. And when we understand this and set our attention on heaven, the race of the Christian life becomes much more directed. And I believe that's exactly why Paul uses this race analogy. One would never start a physical race without knowing the destination or, the, or direction. And so too, while we know our destination is heaven, we must keep an eye at the forefront of our keep a, keep at the forefront of our minds and hearts. Where are we going? We must constantly be focused. As soon as we take our eyes off the mark, the prize, we begin to flounder in our Christian lives. We begin to live the life of a practical atheist, forgetting our purpose, not really acknowledging God in our day-to-day, -day, even forgetting that God who saved us and not living with his proper purpose and direction. So then the Lord led me to start considering and pondering what, what are those things that hinder us from running the race and reaching the mark, that shift our focus. And I identified five, there's probably more, there's, but these ones are very major hindrances that, that the Lord led me to. And I've tried to include ways to combat each of these, uh, each of these hindrances to living this Christian life, to, to keeping our eyes focused on the mark. The first one is living in sin. A life of unconfessed sin is a hindrance. When we don't feel conviction when we sin or when we are not repentant of a sinful habit, that sin stagnates our lives and prevents our growth in the Lord. 
and it causes us to lose our focus on the prize. We begin to flounder and veer off course. I envision it similar to trying to run a race while reading a book or in this day and age trying to text and run at the same time. We know we should be running, so our feet are running. But sin, like that phone or that book in front of us, it blinds us and we don't see where we're going. And sooner or later, we're going to stumble, we're going to fall, we're going to run into something, we're going to trip, and we're going to be out of the race until we repent of the sin and get out of the way. Acknowledging our wrong and committing to turn completely away from it. That's what repentance is all about. It's not just saying you're sorry for it, but it's, it's a complete change of mind, a completely different way of thinking about the sin. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. That's where we're at when we're living in sin. So it's important to confess our sins, to repent of them. We also need to be sure that we forgive our neighbor if our neighbor's offended us. We just need to walk in love and humility, being sensitive to the Spirit when he points sin out in our lives and committing to get pride out of our lives because that's probably the root of nearly every sin. 1 John 1.9 says, <clears throat> If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All we have to do is ask him to cleanse us. And with the right spirit, he cleanses our hearts. The second thing that, that I identified that the Lord brought to me as a hindrance from running the race and reaching the mark is a lack of um, Bible study and meditation, not being in God's word. When we don't study and meditate on the word of God, it hinders our walk, it hinders our, our running of the race. And through studying the scriptures, we learn many things. We learn about the divine nature of God. So many times when I teach Sunday school, I talk about the attributes of God because that's one of the most important things, I believe. If we keep that in our mind, we, it helps us keep our focus on the Lord. We learn about the plans and the precepts of God. We also learn about our sinful nature and God's redemption through Christ Jesus. We also learn about the nature of our enemy that's out to get us and how he's defeated through Jesus. We learn about God's spiritual guidelines for, for living a godly life. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And again in Joshua 1.8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, then shalt thou have good success. In Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So we need to be focused on the word of God. We need to get the sin out of our lives so that we have no barriers. Then we need to focus on meditating and reading God's word. Next thing I, th I found that, that the Lord led, to, led me to was a lack of prayer. 
Lack of an effective prayer life can lead to lack of direction and discernment in our lives. Prayer is not one way. It's a two-way communication with God, and that's where the meditation and reading of God's word comes in. Prayer is not only an opportunity for us to talk to God, but it's an opportunity for him to talk to us and speak to us. God hears us, and we hear God through his word and through his spirit as we spend time in prayer and meditating in his word. We draw spiritually close to the Lord by spending more time with him. And the closer we are to God, the better focus we'll have on running our race. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, Pray without ceasing. James 5, 16, Confess your trespasses one to another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The fourth thing that the Lord led me to was a lack of fellowship with other believers. We've heard it over and over again. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. But without fellowship with the right people, it can be difficult to grow spiritually. When you have other strong Christians and other believers around you, those people build you up. They edify you and encourage you in the Lord. Fellowship with unbelievers can lead to backsliding and spiritual corruption. So it's so important to guard yourself against the wrong kind of influences as you grow in your Christian faith. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, be, be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. And 2 Corinthians 6.14 and 15, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? <clears throat> so we need to get the sin out of our lives. We need to start meditating on God's word. We need to be praying. We need to be fellowshipping with other believers. And the fifth thing that the Lord led me to was that can be a hindrance is listening to bad and false doctrine. False doctrine definitely hinders spiritual growth. And when a person spiritually feeds themselves with the wrong information, that doctrine is going to corrupt them. God warns us through, through his word against obeying false doctrine. And he also warns us to avoid following false prophets. A person who follows false doctrine and false teachers is a person who's not only deceives, so deceived, but he's also deceiving himself. In this day of YouTube preachers and podcasts, we have to be very careful and discerning about who we listen to. Matthew 24, 11 says, Many and many false prophets arise and deceive many. And 1 Timothy 4, 1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And 1 Timothy 4, 16, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So we have to make sure that we don't have any sin in our lives. We have to be meditating, reading in God's word, be praying. We have to be fellowshipping with other believers. And we have to be careful about who we're listening to. So by taking a look through Philippians 3, we've been able to see how Paul admonishes the, his dear friends, the believers at the church at Philippi. 
to put aside the works of the flesh and focus on the spiritual. I hope this has been a help to you. Um, it has been to me as I meditated and, and prepared this. Um, and I just am grateful for the Word of God. It's so, so good for us. And just, uh, I'm thankful. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.